Hi, and welcome to the podcast, or welcome back if you've tuned in before. In case you don't know who I am, my name is Nicole. I was a special education teacher for six years, and I now work at a private behavioral clinic, and I'm working towards becoming a BCBA. I really want to help bridge that gap between ABA and the schools. I know when I was a teacher, I was very intimidated by the concept of ABA, and I didn't know how to really even understand it, let alone apply it to my classroom. So throughout 2021, you're going to hear a ton of podcasts helping bridge that gap. And so I'm really excited to have my first interview of the year. It's my good friend, Cassie. She is a BCBA who works as a teacher, so she totally understands how the two can click together. And I can't wait for her to share all of her great strategies. Let's jump right in. Welcome back to the podcast, guys, and I'd like to introduce my guest, Cassie. Hi. This is Cassie from Adventures in Behavior, and she's a good friend of mine, and I knew I wanted to bring her on for my ABA series because although I have a love of ABA, I don't feel like I did the best job at applying it to the classroom, and I actually listened to Cassie on another podcast, the Behavior Bitches podcast, and I loved everything she said. I'm going to have that episode linked in this show notes, but I wanted her to come on and help us understand how we can use ABA in the classroom. So my first question for you, Cassie, is sometimes as teachers, we're told that we have, you know, quote unquote, ABA classrooms, and we have no idea what that means. So can you help us kind of just understand what that means, like what it means when we say ABA classrooms? So I think um, to me, an ABA classroom is just a classroom that um, implements uh, applied behavior analysis strategies in their instructional practices and through their behavior plans. Um, I don't think you need any special sort of training. You just need a foundational knowledge of the, the principles behind the behavior science. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't realize how simple some of that is. And I think once we explain it, a lot of people probably are using principles of ABA in their classroom. They just don't realize that's what it is. Oh, for sure. Yes. So can you give me maybe an example of a way that you would integrate ABA into like uh, a social skills lesson or a play lesson or something like that? Like what would that actually look like? Yeah. So, um, One of the teaching methods um, used in applied behavior analysis is called naturalistic environment teaching, and it just means using behavior principles in the natural setting. So, for example, if um, we're working on social skills, and um, let's say it's like a pre-K classroom, you can... um, like get out the toys, have some playtime, and use those behavior principles to teach, model, reinforce whatever social skill you're targeting for the day. So for example, if you're wanting to target like asking for help, then you can set up the um, the, the toy area so that um, there's specific things that the kids are going to need to ask for help with. Like, let's say they don't have the fine motor to open a bin. So then you could put whatever toy they really want in that bin, and then they have to ask for help in order to access that toy. And that's, that's ABA. That's a fantastic, really concrete example and something that's easy for pretty much everybody to implement in their classroom. So thank you. And then the other one I'm going to throw at you that just like blew my mind is how do you use ABA to actually teach like content? 
Yeah. So this is like one of my favorite things to talk about and like do. So um, in the Behavior Bitches podcast episode, um, I talked about using chaining to teach complex math skills like multiplication and long division. And so we ta I talked about how, you know, I did the task analysis, wrote out all of the skills, and then um, used forward chaining, which is where you um, teach each step of that, that task analysis to mastery before adding in the next one. And, um, and I've done that, um, and it was very successful. And it also, the having that task analysis helps me. Sometimes the kids have parts of the process, but they are missing like one or two skills. And so that task analysis helps me figure out which of those skills that we need to target specifically. Um, so that's one way. Um, I've also used, um, error correction procedures and errorless teaching in phonics instruction and with like blending and decoding words using the prompts um, and I use primarily um, the error correction procedure of like like giving them the word to decode and asking them you know sound it out and if they don't do it right then I represent it with a prompt then I represent it without the prompt because hopefully they'll have it, you know, already in their head. Then I give them a distractor that's mastered, and then I represent again, and hopefully then that time they'll do it independently for a second time. But having that distractor helps to make sure that it's being cemented in their mind, and we'll kind of do that, not necessarily like in a discrete trial method, but that is something that you can do as part of discrete trials. Okay, that's a great, another great example. And I think that's a tough thing that just with the terminology of understanding all of it, but once it's broken down, it's like, oh, that totally makes sense. Like people are like, what is a task analysis? But then a lot of us probably already do that. Oh, for sure. And then I want to throw a couple of misconceptions at you about ABA in the classroom and see if you can help us go through them. So I think one thing I hear is people say like, oh, well, I can't possibly be one-on-one -on -one with a student, so I can't use ABA in my classroom. Yeah, that's a great one. So when I, when I do the, the chaining um, and the, the math task analyses, um, I have what's called a, a fluency station in my math class. Um, and it's para run so I train the paras on how to run it and so whenever the students are there they're working on different calculation skills and so once that becomes part of their routine then the para can supervise a few of the kids and then work one-on-one -on -one with a kid through that task analysis so you don't have to do it every single time that you're running that skill um because that's just not practical um the, with the phonics um, example that I gave, um, I've done that in a small group reading um, group. And so, like, you present it to one kid, you do it, while the other kids are practicing something, and then you do it with another kid. And so it's kind of the same as, um, you know, if you're doing guided reading, you're not listening to all of the kids at one time. You're, they're practicing reading and you're listening to one, and then you move on to the next one, and that one continues. So it's very, very similar in that regard. Perfect. 
Another one that I hear is a lot of schools are really into PBIS or the positive behavior. And so sometimes I feel like ABA gets a bad rep because, you know, we do talk about consequence or there, the term negative does appear. So how can we help people understand that ABA can still be a very positive addition to the classroom? So um, when I hear that about PBIS, it kind of makes me laugh because um, PBIS like stemmed from ABA, like that's where it came from. So <laughs> I just kind of, it makes me chuckle a little, but um, I just, I think that, you know, we, we need to emphasize that consequence doesn't mean punishment. A consequence is just whatever happens after the behavior, and it can either make the behavior increase or decrease. Um, and so, and punishments aren't always even aversive. Um, it's just if it makes the behavior decrease, it's a punishment. Mm -hmm, exactly. Sometimes punishments can be really good for some situations, and I think that's the time where it just, the terminology doesn't translate well, so it just sounds terrible when it's actually not at all. Exactly. Do you feel like there are any other areas that people struggle to apply ABA to the classroom that you could give insight to? Yeah, I think, um, you know, people tend to think that ABA equals discrete trial training, um, or they're told that they can't use ABA in the classroom, and both of those are incorrect. Um, you know, very, a very small portion of ABA is actually discrete trial training, um, which is that, you know, what people think of when they think of ABA, the table time, you know, presenting flashcards or whatever. Um, and so much, there's so much more to ABA than that. Um, but also, like classroom management plans, token boards, all of those things are ABA. And so when, when administrators say, oh, no, you, you can't use ABA, I, I say wrong. <laughs> we are. We're all using it. Um, you know, simply requesting an FBA as part of a kid's assessments is ABA. So um, I, I would encourage if your administrator is saying those things to you, try to take them some information to, to show them that, no, we are using ABA. It's just not what you think it is. Exactly. And then do you have any go-to sources that you'd send people to if maybe they're in a school and they don't have access to a BCBA and they've never had training, but they want to learn more about ABA? Do you have any like places or websites that you like to refer people to? Yeah. So um, I always tell people that if they want information about like specific strategies or things like that. Um, the Behavior Babe website is a really good one. It's um, run by a BCBA out of Hawaii. Um, and she has a lot of information on there. I also think um, the Autism Helper, um, Sasha, has amazing website, blog, resources, um, lots of videos and things. So she's a wealth of knowledge as well. Um, I've started putting stuff on my blog of how to use ABA in the classroom, so you can check that out as well. And there's also a, at this time of this recording, there's a free RBT 40-hour course that people can sign up for. Um, that's the Registered Behavior Technician. It gives you like foundational knowledge on ABA, and it right now is free. <laughs> so. Um, I don't know if it'll stay that way. I hope so, because I think it's really good. 
that like anybody can access this training and you don't have to pay hundreds of dollars for it. Awesome. And I just had to pull it up on my phone. Another one that I recently found, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's the National Professional Development Center on Autism Spectrum Disorders. And basically it's uh, a warehouse of all the clearinghouse evidence-based practices. So you can go on and learn about what that naturalistic teaching environment is, antecedent-based interventions, token boards. So I'll take all of the resources that Cassie and I have found together and they'll be in the show notes so you guys can access all of those. And then we'll find a couple of blogs that we can put in there as well. Cause I feel like that's so overwhelming. And if you just Google, like what is ABA? It's like so much. And I feel like a lot of people try it for two minutes and just close out the web browser. So we'll try and <laughs> it down for people a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, ABA is such a huge topic. So I would encourage you to look for like something specific. Like if you are interested in knowing more about task analyses, Google ABA task analyses, and that's going to be a better starting point than just what is ABA? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Did you have any other things, tips you wanted to share with people or things you wanted to say? Yeah, I would just encourage you guys to, um, you know, pick a strategy and just try it. Um, you know, if it goes horribly wrong or it's not the right fit for your class, that's fine. Um, you know, any sort of teaching practice is going to be that way. Um, but, you know, all of the ABA strategies are evidence-based. So um, it's just another way to include that in your classroom. Well, perfect. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing that insight. And I can't wait to hear how people like this episode. I feel like we're hopefully going to help people feel a little bit more confident. I really hope this podcast was helpful to you guys. Again, I was a teacher. I know what it's like to really need to apply ABA principles in the classroom, but you don't know how to do that. So hopefully this podcast will help you guys feel a little bit more confident. I'm willing to dive into any topic, any way I can help you guys. You know how to get a hold of me. Let me know. I'll find some more guests. I'll do some more research. I'll put an episode out on whatever we need. Until next time, I hope you all have a wonderful week.